everyone, and happy Valentine's Week from all our romance authors. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host author Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and The Lowell Ledger. Today, I will be chatting with author Diana Polova, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of A Tryst of Fate at the end of the interview. Diana Plopa is a prolific author, a writing coach, author advocate, and editor. She lives in Michigan with her husband, son, and two dogs. She has spent multiple books in multiple genres. Hello, Diana. How are you? Hello, Emma. I am spectacular. Thank you so much for having me on your program today. It's great to have you. First of all, can you tell us who stole the sardonic manuscript from the library? That is the theme of this year's Pages Promotions Winterfest, and it is awesome. And it is awesome. We are about halfway through the festival. Um, On February 13th, the thief had been revealed. The thief indeed was Andrew Allen Smith, and sadly, he has been poisoned. He is now lying dead on the library floor. So now the second half of our festival is about trying to discover who assassinated the author and why. And we're having a great time playing this game. It's super fun. And anyone can join us, right? Anybody can join us. It's free to Uh join us. Um, Every night we read from two books. Uh, We have authors reading out loud to share their work. We give away books every night. Um, You just have to make sure that you are registered on the Zoom page before 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time U.S. um, in order to get your name on the spinning wheel of happiness. And then we give away books and we we have great fun. We laugh a lot. I encourage anybody who's interested to come out and join us. Yes. All right. I'm going to start us off with a quote from Chapter 1 of your book, A Trist of Fate by Groucho Marx. I love your quotes. You open each chapter with a quote. Man does not control his own fate. The women in his life do that for him. Do you live by this quote? And how do you apply that in your married life? Oh, no, there's there's no possible way I could live by that quote. Um, I, I, I am not in control. My husband is not in control. We try to cooperate as much as possible within our relationship. Um, marriage is not about control. It's, a, it's about figuring it out together and laughing along the way. So, um, yeah, but I, I like, um, you know, this book is titled mm-hmm. A Trist of Fate. And yes. so each one of the quotes at the beginning of each chapter um, gives the reader something to think about as they read that chapter. And it all goes back to the story. I was very careful in choosing um, very particular quotes that go specifically with each chapter of the book. I've noticed that. You used also from The Sound of Silence, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a good time. I think it took me probably a good three months after I wrote the book to then decide which quotations I was going to use for each chapter because I wanted them to be very connected to the story. That must have taken a lot of time, seriously. About about three months of doing a lot of Google searching. Uh (laughs) All righty. Well, can you give us a summary of A Trist of Fate? 
Absolutely. Um, a Trist of Fate is a love story about Thomas and Jillian. Um, they are married. Thomas works for the uh, Detroit Free Press as a disaster desk writer. Um, Jillian is an art restorer with the Detroit Institute of Arts. Um, together, they experience a tragedy which drives them to divorce, as often happens, and as a way to win Jillian's heart back. Thomas writes short stories to her and sends them in the mail. Uh, in each short story, there is a, a, a nugget of their history encapsulated in each story. So as the stories are written by Thomas and read by Jillian, Jillian sketches each story as she reads them. And then um, together, they find themselves reconnecting in a way neither one of them expected. Through the short through stories. the short stories. So these mm -hmm. are short stories within a novel. So it's it, it oh, was a cool. fun process. I started with a collection of short stories. I realized that they all had a similar theme, and then I started noticing that they were really connected on a deeper level than I had originally anticipated. So then I realized that this is more like a patchwork quilt, and I had to find a way to sew them all together and and make it one story and so that's what i ended up doing that is very creative what is protagonist thomas like describe him to us um thomas is a gentle soul he um he loves to write he loves to share life through story and one of him the reason he works the disaster desk is because he thinks it's important to share difficult situations with people in a way that's human, in a way that helps people connect to the emotion of the situation, not just the disaster itself, not just a bunch okay. of nameless, um, misunderstood victims or some out of control weather component. Uh, he wants to really share the, the bond humanity has with each other. So when he writes these stories um, for the newspaper, he likes to include all of the tiny details about who the people were and the experiences that they went through. Absolutely. What is Jillian like? Um, Jillian is, is a free spirit. She loves art. She loves to express her world through color and through mosaic um, she is she's a legacy person she believes in legacy so that's why she restores art at the detroit institute of arts because she wants to maintain the legacy of the old masters that is nifty what inspired you to write this um wow what inspired me to write it well as, as i say it started out as a collection of short stories and then I and then I noticed that they were connected, um, and and I have this wacky notion that I want to write one novel in each of the major genres. There are thirty five of them, and romance is top on the list for almost every writer. Almost every writer I've met wants to write a romance of some yes. variety or another. Um, just like almost every writer I've encountered wants to write some variety of poetry. So I mm -hmm. figured what the heck i'll write the story it'll be a romance and then when i'm done i can check it off my list and move on so that that's why it ended up being the way it did that the story actually started out 
and this was one of the pieces that never made it to the final version, but it started out, um, my first short story was um, a, a quirky little tale about um, a young man running away to join the circus and and the the relationship he finds in the three rings uh, and how those three rings intertwine. I still have that as a short story set aside and I think I may use it for another novel or a novella someday, but it didn't make it into this edition. That's too bad. It, it'll come. It'll happen. Just not right now. How long did it take you to pull this project together? Four and a half years. Whoa. Um, and I spent, when I was writing Trist, I think I spent probably three or four hours a day writing five days a week. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I handed it to my, I, I, I'd gone through probably six or seven drafts and I handed it to my editor and she read it and she handed it back to me and she said, you know, the story doesn't actually start until chapter four. So then I had to go back in and rewrite everything to rearrange the first three chapters to move them to different places in the book so that the story actually started with chapter four. So chapter one now used to be chapter four, but it, it, the whole project took about four and a half years to go from first draft to published version. So what is the beginning of the book? Is it that accident? Uh, that's the prologue of the book. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the first chapter of the book is when Thomas uh, travels out to Boston for a new job after he and Jillian have divorced. And he, uh, he travels to Boston and he, he finds himself embroiled in the corporate world, which is very different from journalism. So he, he ends up writing marketing copy for a technology firm in Boston. Um, and uh, which is again, very different from journalism. So that, that's actually where chapter one starts. Okay, what were some of the challenges in writing this book? I mean, it's like a whole project, right? That started with short stories, then it was a book and the short stories are, are inserted in there. Yeah, it, uh, the biggest challenge really was taking the short stories and building a chronology with them Right. so that it traveled over time. I pulled out a big piece of, piece of white butcher block paper and I hung it on my wall okay. and I wrote out a timeline. Mm -hmm. so, so the book actually takes place over the course of about 18 months. And I had to put every month on the timeline on this big piece of paper on the wall. And then I had to write in each individual chapter and the synopsis of each chapter to make sure that I had um, the things happening in the right order so that the book made sense chronologically because there are flashbacks included in the story. Mm -hmm. There is, a, there is a, a history that goes back you know, 30 years in the story and then it jumps back to present day. So um, the, the big challenge of this story was um, coagulating all of those shifts of time to make it feel like a natural transition. So did you have to have this timeline constantly in front of you? Yeah, yep, yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah, I put it up on my wall in front of my writing desk and I had a stash of colored markers next to me and I was constantly adding notes 
to mm-hmm. this large, it, the butcher block was probably six feet long and it was three mm-hmm. feet wide. And I was constantly adding notes and writing diagrams and circles and arrows and color coding everything. So yeah, it was there the whole time I wrote the book. Would you recommend this method to other authors who are writing complex projects? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a great methodology. It works really well. Um, I, I am by nature a technology writer. I, I type 120 words a minute. So mm-hmm. typing on a computer really works for me. And I, I have three separate computer screens now. So um, I can have my timeline up on one screen and then the writing on the other and then research on a third. But at the time, I only had one screen on my laptop, mm-hmm. and I found that having this piece of paper in on the wall directly in front of my writing space worked really, really well. It was like it was almost like a giant computer screen right. that I got to play and work and 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 you know shift things around. And I, huh? I found that very, very helpful. Um, I know that a lot of screenplay writers and television writers they do this method. They put things up on the wall with sticky notes or with three by five cards. Um, And so I tried it and I found that it it was really helpful for a super complex story like this. I found it really nice. I'm going to use that. What do you feel you did right? I, I think I got the intensity of the emotion between Jillian and Thomas. I think I got that right. Um, because this this is a love story that really focuses on the emotion. Um, there's not a lot of physicality in this book. I think mm-hmm. there are a couple of, there may be two insinuated mm-hmm. love scenes, but nothing is graphic. I don't like writing graphic love scenes. I wanted this, I described this when I first started writing it as a thinking person's romance novel. And the reason I did that is because I didn't want it to be bodice ripping and throwing people on the bed or, you know, whatever. I wanted it to be what goes on inside your head as you are rediscovering a love you thought you lost. Okay. And, and I think I, I came pretty close to my imagination in that. I love your chapter 12. It's pretty intriguing. Yeah. How well, yeah. you describe, you know, what the girl has been through and then this guy. That's pretty intriguing. It's it's fun. Um, writing that that short piece, that chapter is about um, a band of pirates on the Bering Sea. Okay. And I had to do a lot of research about the Bering Sea in Alaska and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the geography of Alaska where right. I can find. So all the places I mentioned are real places. Um, uh-huh. And they're they're a band of um, a band of pirates that come to Sabina's aid and rescue her from Darian, who is a really foul human being. Yes. Um, and I, I had a lot of fun jumping into that fantasy world uh-huh. and writing about what that might be like. There's there's a feel of old fantasy pirate flavor in that uh-huh. chapter. It and shows it, it, that uh-huh. it was a great deal of fun to write. Definitely. I got that when I read that. All right. What would you have done differently? What would I have done differently? Um, Well, it it actually came pretty organically to me. Uh, I didn't really struggle with it. There was one short story that I wrote about a a retreat to... um, 
to this large retreat place. It's a Native American space, um, which I visited several times in Missouri. A friend of mine has it, and I wanted to write about this space. Um, that was a very difficult thing to write because it's mm -hmm. hard to describe the spirituality of being connected to the land. Right. I don't know how Native Americans do it so well, because for me, it was maybe because I brought up in a culture that doesn't place a lot of emphasis on that. American culture doesn't really enjoy talking about our spiritual connection to the land. Mm -hmm. And so that that piece was difficult for me to write, but I really wanted to include it because I thought it was an important piece of the emotional connectivity between Thomas and Jillian. Hey, what have you learned about yourself from writing this book? I have learned that you, what I, the biggest thing I learned from writing this book, and I wrote this several years ago, was um, you can't, I at least, cannot write a novel in a month. It's not how it works. I, no. uh, I thought for sure, because all these short stories were coming very easily for me, Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be able to sit down and just bang out this story. My son was very little at the time, and I was writing a lot on the weekends when he would go spend that time with his dad. So mm -hmm. I had, you know, 72 hours of uninterrupted time, and I thought for sure this story was just going to fly. And what I learned was if you want to do it right, you have to take your time to really explore the themes and the characters in a story, and then if you want to do it right, you really have to take the time to have it edited professionally and properly. Right. I right. thought I could get away with editing it by myself. Mm -hmm. I gave it to, I, I, against my judgment at the time, I, I found an editor and I handed her the work. And I'm so glad I did because right. even though I am a professional editor, you should never edit your own work because somebody never. from the outside mm -hmm. always sees things you miss. And so what I really learned was writing is a process that takes time. It's like painting. You have to take your time with it and allow yourself to be connected to the, the creative process. And, and so now I don't rush myself. Now I just sit down and allow Drake to give me the story as he gives me the story. And he does, right? Your muse. Yeah, Drake is a little quacker. I love him. He's good to you. He's been good to you. All right. Uh, would you do it all over again? Write this, you know, with all its ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Without question. I love this story. I love the characters in this story. I love the places that I got to mm -hmm. visit existentially. I lived in Boston for three years. So okay. I loved writing about Boston. It was like revisiting that space I lived in and fell in love with. That was the first place that um, away from Michigan that I really felt connected to. I mm -hmm. felt like it was my home. Um, someday I'll go back. Uh, but yeah, it was, I was, I would do it again in a heartbeat. No question. And, yeah. and I got to I got to do a little shout out here. The nice helicopter pilot that talked to me on the phone for an hour and a half, because I had questions about how long it took and, and mm -hmm. what it was like to fly a helicopter from Boston, New York, New York and back. Uh, I really appreciate him taking his time. So I, I'm very grateful for the people I met along the way through the research process and then again through the editorial process. It, it, was, it was a tremendous learning experience. I learned a lot about myself through it all. What is the major takeaway from 
a twist of fate. That you should never give up on your heart mm -hmm. and you should never give up on um, offering a second chance to what your soul tells you is correct. I think that's the takeaway. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's my favorite message from this book. Um, sure, there are always things that is, it's healthier for you to walk away from when mm -hmm. that time comes. Uh, but I, I think it's the big message of this book is always listen to your own spirit and, and do what your spirit tells you rather than what society tells you. What is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? Um, my very first virtual book festival, I was brand new to Zoom. I didn't understand how to use it. I didn't understand all of the security measures that you could put in place. And on my very first night broadcasting, and I was doing it live, which is something I'll never do again, um, there were some not nice people who infiltrated the room and um, they were very crass and very ugly. And it, it, it was a very embarrassing moment. And um, fortunately, um, I learned from that mistake and now I record everything. I don't go live ever again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, was a your... very <laughs> embarrassing moment. I wasn't there. How come and, I missed this? I don't know. But unfortunately, the author who was featured that day was very understanding about it. And he said, not your fault. You couldn't have seen this coming. You couldn't have prevented it. It's, it's a learning process and it's fine. And we ended up re-recording the session and then putting that out. So, yeah. So this was an experience from your virtual event, right? Virtual okay. event, the very we'll first stick time. with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's next for Diana in 2023? I have exciting things coming up in 2023. Um, I have a new book coming out this spring, which is about uh, the publishing process, specifically focused on the independent author publishing process, tips, tricks, processes, things to help you along on that journey. Um, we have a, my husband and I are working on the collaboration for a new children's book called Henry Hippo's Home. And mm -hmm. I'm hoping that that's going to be out late summer, early um, Autumn, my husband's doing the art for it right now. It's very fun to watch that grow. Yeah. Um, and I am putting the finishing touches on my paranormal novel, which Ooh. is set at a lighthouse, a real place in Paradise, Michigan. It's the Whitefish Point Lighthouse in the Upper Peninsula. I know the place. And it's, it's a ghost story that takes place at the lighthouse. And I'm very excited about that. I've been working on that for um, almost two years now. And so that'll, that, that's my main project this year is I'm pushing that out the door. Hopefully, my goal is I'm going to have it out in time for my birthday in June. My, oh, husband, okay. is, my husband has already um, painted the cover art for it. So I'm very, very excited about that. It's, it's so beautiful, but I'm not going to reveal the cover until I get closer no, to publishing the book. Don't. Okay. I'm looking forward to that one. Would it's you like fun. to read to us? Absolutely, I would. Go for it. Okay. Uh, this is from A Tryst of Fate. At last she arrived, 
Slip 22, the name proudly displayed on the stern in gentle sunlight hues, read The Artist's Way. The name was stolen from a book she read long ago when she first began painting at the museum. She thought the name was a good fit, given how much time she'd spent sketching on this boat over the years. She hoped her author heroine, Julia Cameron, would understand. She stopped to sit on the bench in front of her slip for a moment. Her cat, Achilles, sat quietly in his crate at her side. It was a solemn ritual, taking a few moments of unfettered time to simply enjoy the beauty of nature untarnished by the evils of the financial world. It was important to her to mark the division between here and there to keep it sacred. Achilles meowed and she talked with him quietly. Quiet was unnecessary before boarding. It was about 10 o'clock and supper long past when Jillian poured herself a cup of cocoa, changed into a pair of comfy red sweats and an old DIA t-shirt and battened down the hatches for the night. By the warm glow of amber camden lights, she regarded the envelope for a long while, considering whether or not she was ready. Finally, she reached once again for Achilles and his non-prejudicial comfort. She pulled him onto her lap, gently stroking his fur. Could it have been just a fluke? Maybe by now he's rethinking the whole thing. Maybe he's sitting at home right now thinking himself a fool for writing to me. I hope he keeps writing, but I'm scared. How crazy is that? The cat stared at her with placid eyes, kneading her lap to make himself more comfortable. It had been a long time since anything had excited her. She longed for daily happiness again. She missed it. Achilles slinked off into the quarter berth for the night. It was his favorite cave. Finally, she slid her fingers under the flap and released the page. She took a sip of her steaming security, unfolded three pages, and began to read. Dearest Jillian, please forgive this intrusion, for I am in an impassioned state of pure exhilaration. I believe I have come to know more of your beauty than the minstrels could ever invoke in their ballads. I feel certain that we are kindred, sweet lady, and I hope you share my vision. I wish to know so much more of you. Please, if you will, speak to me of the wonders that dwell within your soul. Tell me about you, what you value, desire, love. I wish to know all of you, the very heart of you. Share with me your secrets, dear one, and I shall keep them safe for all time. Or... If you will allow, I shall tell you another tale. A small giggle slipped past her lips. Expectations are not always enjoyable unless, of course, they become a reality. Jillian vaulted to the V-berth, pulled the sketch pad from the forward locker, and began to draw like a woman possessed. It had been a long time since she'd felt safe enough to sketch, but there was no denying it. When the muse called, she could not ignore it. I haven't heard the call in so long. Jillian's hands were quivering with excitement as she sketched the story Thomas revealed. Her stomach felt that new love nausea that usually follows a first kiss. It was a game they often played, especially early on in their relationship. He would tell her stories and she would sketch the scene. Still, she felt a little uneasy 
remember what Uncle Richard said. Creativity comes from within, not from all the books you've read or classes you've aced. True creativity, the kind that people respond to, comes from the heart. I remember the basement filled with boxes holding those treasures. We talked about publishing a book once, but then the train. Jillian braced herself against the memory, refilled her cocoa, and sat back to read and sketch. Thank you. End. That is nice. Thank you. Okay, your giveaway. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway at Trist Update? I would love to do that. Today, I'm actually um, bundling this. So for the first person who sends me an email to me at diana at dkpwriter.com, that's dkpwriter.com, will win a signed paperback of A Trista Fate. And I will also include an ebook of A Duck Quacks, which is my short story collection. That is awesome. An ebook, yes, all right. How about your parting shots? You go first. Shots across the bow. Shots. <laughs> oh, um, I, I'm just very grateful that you are allowing authors to come on your program and, and uh, share their work. I, I love discovering new authors and I found quite a few yeah. from you. So I'm yeah. very, very grateful that you're doing this. And all I can say is everybody keep reading. Yes. Um, there is a legacy that lives in story and I think it's important that we keep it alive. Absolutely. And my parting shots, read indie, buy indie, and write indie. Support your local authors and newspapers. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt Not in, the, in chair. the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.